a rolling. <laughs> hey, nice Brad. Finger, nice finger action, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds weird coming into it, then. But we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, please. Just leave that in. Yeah. You know, I like to give the listeners something to get the, uh, the imagery going there. Yeah, mind. shock them a bit and then leave them thinking, what the hell was that? Shock, shock and awe. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a romantic technique I've used for many years, <laughs> along with Rohypno. Uh, yeah. Um, well, and you just got back from the States, so we won't, uh, we won't mention any further what may or may not have happened. But uh, you're back on uh, UK soil. Uh, I'm back on UK soil on, uh, yeah, what some people call Independence Day, other people call Happy Treason Day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Americans' big holiday, the 4th of July. Wow. I, I, I get a little tired of the 4th of July being Canadian and, you know, our national holiday is three days before. So on July 1st, it's Canada Day. So we celebrate our peaceful breaking of, uh, from the, breaking away from the empire in a much you know nicer fashion, I would say. Similar barbecue, beer, and fireworks. It's it's all the same. But the Americans, they just like, it's like yeah, we get it. You you're violent. You know, you wanted <laughs> slaves, and so you fought for the right to not pay taxes and have slaves and all the rest of it. Like it's just like Ugh, okay, yeah. But and to lead, and to ultimately lead the Commonwealth, unlike our good friends, the Canadians. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it real, man. Yeah, well, real. you know, I think there's a lot of benefits to the parliamentary system. So I'm happy. I'm happy with our choice. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is also just a little bit of, a, you know, the little brother syndrome that Canada often has with the United States, where it's like, well, nobody ever talks about Canada. Everybody always talks about the U.S., but, you know, we're here too, eh? But it's just like, I, 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 I was just about to say that's a good impression of a Canadian. Then I realised you are a Canadian. So actually, was, it was a terrible impression of a Canadian. Yeah, I was putting it on pretty thick, but you know, but yeah, I mean, it's understandable why the US, you know, the world leaders are driving everything, the economy, all the rest of it. So I get it. We're Canadian. We'll just chill out and have our day, you know, three days before. But I think the big thing, I mean, obviously. We haven't spoken since since the big news. What Nigel Farage and the rest of those a holes, as some would call them, uh, were calling the British Independence Day, which I must say I got really tired of that comparison. I thought that was just absolutely stupid. But if anyone doesn't know and they've been living under a rock, Britain has, which is, which is much like the Brits will be doing in a couple of years. <laughs> They voted to leave the EU. This is madness. So, yeah, first of all, total. let's hear your. You were a Remain guy. Uh, yeah, I was very much a Remain guy. I, it was so I stayed up, stayed up until about three, watching the results come in. I checked my phone the next morning and saw your messages <laughs> that yeah. I, I was sleeping, and I just didn't think that it would happen. I went to bed being like, I don't need to watch this. I mean, it's it's basically a sure thing that they're going to stay. Well, it's just so odd. Up until. Maybe two or three weeks before, you know, it, I, in my head, it was very much, I, I thought we were going to leave um, because, you know, there was this grand swell of, well, we want to get out and, you know, we want to protest. And in my my world, what I was seeing is a lot of the younger people saying we wanted to get out because hmm. I think, you know, they wanted, you know, independence. And then about two to three weeks out, suddenly that flipped and suddenly all the young people say, no, we, you know, we want to stand and stay in Europe. And the book is then flipped to be, you know, we're, we're going to remain. See, so yeah, I stayed up to about 3 a.m. watching the results come in and uh, 
it was odd because there were there weren't really any polls that were done this time because um, a they got them totally wrong on the mm-hmm. last general election. So this time around, B they were saying, well, we haven't got any historical data to go back against to see like the swing of the vote. So they weren't really doing polls, but they had an idea of which constituencies were going to vote in or out. Um, so up until about three a.m., it was it was on a knife edge, but a lot of the big constituencies that have a lot of votes that they thought were going to stay in or weekly stay or weekly vote to to leave suddenly were coming in as leave so at 3am they were like "Mm, this could be going the way of leave but I don't think anyone really wanted to believe it yeah 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 Uh, and then I woke up again at like 5am to the news yeah we're leaving and it was I went back to sleep and I thought I'm going to wake up and this is all a bad dream and I woke up and I, you know, I live alone. I'm in an area where I don't really know anyone. But there was just a very sombre atmosphere. You know, I, I wandered out to go and get some, some supplies from the local shop. Just, it's almost like a grieving type Really? Thing. Yeah, really odd. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, you speak to people and I think there is a little bit of shock of this can't really be real and I think we mentioned before that that to me there just wasn't any clear facts before the vote of this is what happens if we stay this is what happens if we leave it was just two sides just you're lying no you're lying no you're lying no you're lying Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yet within hours on that Friday morning of the vote suddenly every news outlet had a really clear and concise here are the bullet points this is what happens now that we leave the the undertone is we're all screwed yeah (laughs) it's like why couldn't that information have come out 24 hours earlier. I think it really kind of shows a bit the 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 fault of the media in all this too, you know, like because they're chasing the the juicy the juicy arguments and the the back and forth throughout the whole campaign thing and yeah. not no one bothering to be like holding people accountable or saying, "Hey people, this is what you need to know." I mean, wasn't there like this thing kind of went viral on Twitter and a few other spots, but this guy that took out a newspaper ad in one of the UK newspapers, just some guy, and he was like, here's, you know, the percentage of immigrants that come into the country, and he made a pie chart, and he used his own money to take out a newspaper ad to put this ad in, being like, there's really not that much immigration into the UK, and people are making a big deal. But it's kind of funny that it fell to a guy who was like, oh, I'm not seeing any of the media or the politicians or anyone saying this, so I have to do it. But yeah, it's kind of... Because yeah, the the next day there was... Not only was there backtracking, some serious backtracking on the leave side oh, that yeah. I saw, which was... That was just horrendous. But yeah, it seemed like all of a sudden the facts were coming out. And it's like, well, if you just took a yeah. second to... to yeah to do this in the first place maybe people and then there was all the stories of people regretting it right like they had all they were parading all these people in front of the uh the cameras which i was like well what's the point of this and how many people actually do regret their vote like who knows but it was kind of funny to see some people with egg on their face being like well i voted leave but i didn't actually think that they would it's like, yeah well. <laughs> yeah just really and I've, to be, maybe it's just the group of people that I surround myself with. So I've not met that many Leave voters, but obviously they've got to be out there somewhere. Um, but the ones I, I have met, when you speak to them, um, they're either of the older generation who are like, no, we want to take back control of our country and our laws, whatever. And I, I get that. I wasn't around pre being in the 
the EU, but I think we're now so interweaved with the EU, I don't see what we're going to get by leaving. The world's getting a smaller place, so us standing alone, I don't really get. But when you speak to the odd Leave voters that I've found, they seem to have voted for one of two reasons. Firstly is a protest vote against the government more than anything else. And it's like, well, that's that's very well and good, but why not save that vote for the general election? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when that's really what that vote is for, yeah. as opposed to this one. Uh, and then the second reason is immigration. Oh, well, we want to stop the Eastern Europeans coming in and taking our jobs. It's the Bulgarians, right? And the Polish. That's, yeah, and, but it's like, okay, so I went back and just really quickly went and looked at immigration, uh, sorry, immigration now obviously being high, but unemployment rates. Mm-hmm. And unemployment rates are the same now, if not slightly lower, than they were 30, 35, 40 years ago mm-hmm. before the the borders all opened up. So this notion that they're taking our jobs and the rest yeah. of it is... Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, you, that was a very quick and dirty way of looking at it. You know, you can delve into numbers a little bit more, but... They're not, you know, they're doing, I would say the, the Eastern Europeans I've met in this country are working harder than a lot of the Brits and the roles that they're doing, or they're doing roles that the Brits are turning down. Mm-hmm. You know, they're here, they're paying taxes, they're propping up our economy. I, I, I don't see a problem with it. It's it's a silly argument that's been like, it goes on in every country. I mean, people in Canada say it, people in the US are saying it with, you know, uh, Mexican immigrants and stuff. Like, I mean, it's the age old scapegoat. Um, you can find lots of studies and papers and the rest of it on how immigration boosts the economy and how it's good for growth and how it's good for job creation and the rest of it. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of I think the thing that's that's frustrating about it to me in, in, and just to like because you touched on it with this idea of the protest vote, because, I mean, a lot of the specific things that people were calling on in this campaign as you know the eu is they control all our laws and there was all these ridiculous things about bananas and how you can't import certain you know like you know all these if people want to look it up it's you can look it up but it was like again these things like here's here's what the eu is doing they don't let us control our own laws and the free borders is too much immigration is ruining which isn't really true neither of those things are really true when you look into it the UK has a lot of freedom with their laws and the imports and stuff, and that was all blown out of proportion. But the thing is, it's I think the protest thing is key because the EU clearly can be better. I mean, it does a lot of things yeah. not well, and it needs to be reformed. And there's, I mean, I think that's the thing that kind of gets lost in this, which should we should look at, is the shortcomings of the EU. And this is a chance for the EU to be like, holy, okay, yeah, we need exactly. to get our thing together. And the idea of the protest vote against the actual government. I mean, I get that too. I think Western institutions and our democracies, I mean, we've sort of, we've advanced on everything else, you know, technologically, like energy and all these other things. And we do all these great things, but then we don't change the way we do democracy and we don't allow the technologies to make democracy better. So I think Western democracy is like, whether it's Canada, the US, you know, Europe, wherever, it's stagnant and it's, it needs, it needs an overhaul. And I think that's what we're seeing right now in the US and with this Brexit vote is people, but they just don't know where to put their anger, right? Like they don't know how to rationally do it. And then you have these xenophobic, 
you know, people that take advantage of this wave of discontent and start saying, well, it's these guys or it's these guys or this is what where you can get your anger out. And really, it's again, it's like kind of like what all politics is at this point. It's self-serving. It's so that they can get the vote, so that they can get into power, so that they can stay in power. And it's, yeah. So, I mean, part of me is not surprised. Like, after the shock and I looked at it all and stuff and, like, I, heard, I started thinking about the protest vote. And there was actually a really, really great article by, um, what's his name? You know, old what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been knighted this year. Sir, what's his name? Yeah, sir, what's his he was name? He's in the uh, Queen's birthday on this. Yeah. No, it was um, Glenn Greenwald. Um writing for the intercept and it's a I search out the article because he basically you know nails it on the head with like how you know the media and politicians should not be surprised that this backfired because for so long they've ignored you know a certain section of the population the middle class or whatever or the poor classes and stuff and then when these people finally you know had enough and their anger is coming out it's just coming out not in the ways that you expected who's to blame you know yeah, I, it was funny before the vote. A couple of people said, "Oh, you know, how can vote?" And I said, "To be honest, I I don't think we should have a re- I don't think we should have had a referendum on this because, to my point of view, I've elected a member of parliament that's meant to have all the information, all the facts, and I've elected them to make decisions on how the country is is run. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they turn around and go, "Well, we're not going to give you any of the facts, or we're going to give you such conflicting information that you can't make a clear decision and just throw it open to the public." But at the end of the day, are going to vote as everyone does on personally what matters to them. So yeah, or fear, yeah. So and it's easier to vote for change than it is to vote for the status quo. So you know, I, I at one point I thought I'm being very undemocratic by saying no, there shouldn't be a referendum. But then actually, a couple of like a big of the big political heavyweights, like sort of the um, there was one guy who was like the spin doctor for Tony Blair. So love him or hate him, mm-hmm. you know from. A, Political point of view, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, he 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 was basically pulling the strings in the Labour Party for a long time, but he came out and said, he said, no, I don't think there should be a referendum. He said, I think this is too complex an issue for the average man on the street to understand, and get the head round. So, well, or to have the time to do the research to, yeah. you know, yeah. Or you could do what uh, what's all what's his name from Oasis. No Gallagher, did you see his tweet or his quote about how we shouldn't let this shouldn't have been a referendum because the average person on the streets an idiot anyway. I'm paraphrasing, well, but <laughs> this is you, you know his colorful way with words. Yeah, yeah, and you know the average guy on the street is an idiot and doesn't know what the hell's going on, and this is why we have government representatives. Yeah, which is, well, and that's you know that was the big thing for for me. Like I, the, one of the biggest claims for the Leave campaign was well the money that we pay into the EU each year. If we divvy that up, then that works out at three hundred fifty million pounds a week. Well, we'll just put that into the NHS, into our health system, and then the morning after. Yeah, and then the morning after, Farage, who's one of the big, big heavyweights in the the Leave campaign, goes, "Yeah, that was a mistake." Boris Johnson admits, "Yeah, maybe it wasn't exactly truthful, but emphasised, well, it said could we could put that money into the NHS, yeah. but then the, effectively they admitted, yeah, that wasn't strictly true.'" But it's still on their website. If you go to their website, it's still the main... Well, what about the banner? bus that Boris Johnson was driving yeah. around in with, with that plastered all, all over, over it? Like, I mean, so many people, so many other media, like John Oliver and the rest of these, like, they've all hit on these these exact points, you know? And it's, I can only imagine the frustration of a guy like you waking up to the news and seeing that. But 
it's um, the idea of that the represent like this is what I've you know elected somebody to do I don't know that I feel comfortable with that because this is what I think with the with the you know what I was saying with democracies being broken it's like why do I even need a guy to go to you know in Canada to go to Ottawa for me to make my decisions I have the internet if you want to ask me something ask me it and I'll click yes or no you know and yeah, I mean, do we want to give all that power to people that like don't want to make these decisions? So this is what it is, is can people not make the decisions or do people not want to make the decisions? Because the idea of having a representative government for geographical regions is basically obsolete with the technology that we have. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, back in the day when where I live in Canada and it's it's like a you know, two weeks long horse ride to Ottawa, or even now it takes three days to drive there in a car. So, I mean, we're talking huge distances. So yeah, you would need a guy, old Joe from the community to go, you know, speak up to Ottawa and be like, or London or whatever it is. Be like, you know, there's people over here. We don't really like this. And I've got a great image of a man riding onto a horse at the last minute waving his sort of banner and placard into the, the parliament. Yeah, yeah, charging into parliament, yeah. yeah. But I mean, this is what I mean, is like we have this technology and actually this is something that I want to like, I've had kind of almost had an idea of like, it's almost like a series that you could do about how these, like we have technologies to make certain things better, but yet we don't. And why don't we do that? And I think a lot of it is, you know, change. People are always afraid of change. Uh, evidently not in the UK because they've thrown themselves into the <laughs> into the unknowing abyss of change. But um, you know, change is part of it. But also, yeah, like I mean, these institutions are become self serving. What is the, the the guy in Parliament isn't acting for his con- constituents? He's acting to get revoted or to get reelected. Well, and and how is he going to do that? He's going to do that with campaign money. And yeah. how is he going to get the campaign? Like I mean, we all know this. Like, I think everybody knows this, but yet, you know, where are we on this point? Well, and that's, you know, when, you, when if we're talking about a general election, you have your, so in the UK, you've got your three main parties, they produce their manifesto and that's what they run on. And you, you know, some people read the manifesto and that's what they vote on. Some people just vote because, well, I've always voted yeah. Tory or Labour or Lib Dem. But you, you know, effectively, you're you're electing them on their promise. This is our manifesto. This is our promise. This is what we're going to do. But that's like a broad power. ideology, right? Yeah, exactly. But effectively, you judge them on that. So in five years' time, you come back and go, "Do you know what? You made these ten, fifteen promises, and you broke most of them. I'm voting you out this time because you obviously can't keep your word. That's fair enough. It's a five-year cycle. In or out they go. But effectively, they've said the lead campaign's gone. This is our manifesto. And then the very next day after winning the vote, gone, yeah, and we can't promise that. Out it goes. But, but that's it. We're stuck with that. You know, we're not going to vote on that again in another five years. We're screwed. We're out of Europe. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, it's worrying time. It was interesting today on the news, I see that there's a um, a law firm has launched a class action basically to um, mount a legal challenge saying that, that it has to go... It, currently there's not an act of parliament to take us out of Europe. So before they enact Article 50 to take us out of Europe, there would have to be an act of parliament. So it would have to go to a parliamentary vote. So they were saying that actually this could be the way that we get out of it because actually yeah. most po- the majority of politicians, it's thought, would actually vote to remain now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I've heard a few. Um, I've heard a few things like this, like and and how David Cameron stepped down, and so it's like he's not going to do it. So he's basically put it on someone else's plate to be like, well, the next person to take my spot is going to have to be the one to enact Article Fifty. And I think maybe that's why you see Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage now. They've both basically stepped down, right? That's yeah. what you're saying to me, yeah. And so nobody wants to touch this thing anymore. But I've heard a few of these things about how there might be, but. I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, the referendum isn't legally binding. So, you know, it would take a strong individual, but somebody could try and go, do you know what? We've heard you, British public. Thanks very much. But we're going to remain. Mm -hmm. My hope, my hope is that, as you touched on earlier, the EU is this organisation that's been around for 30, 40 years. And it's not, it's not functioning in an ideal way, but then I guess no system ever does. My hope is that rather than go, well, just leave then UK, that they turn and go, well, hold on, why does this country over there, quite a large population of people, why do they want to leave? Can we, can we change the structure of the EU to make it more relevant to today? Iron out some of the kinks. Again, it's not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but therefore, you know, sort it, and therefore the UK would then have another referendum or vote to stay in, or the Parliament say, do you know what, we're going to stay in. Things have changed for the better. But that doesn't seem to be happening. It seems to be, you know, it's almost a little bit of a rejection syndrome, right? Well, no, you've chose to vote out, so yeah, get out. Get the fuck out, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's a couple things with with that. I mean, how do, you, how do you reconcile to the people, like you said, it would take a strong individual to say, actually, we're going to stay you know, like, what do you, you know, the the lines have already been drawn. It's similar to a discussion we had about Trump, uh, where it's like, how do you, after all this nastiness has been spewed and you've, everyone's picked sides, yeah. how do you then, you know, go back to just being like, well, okay. So, so it doesn't really matter if they stay or if you actually leave, somebody's going to be, a large percentage of the population is going to be upset. And then... Yes, the EU needs to be fixed and everything like this, but you can't also have, you know, every every little country holding it hostage by saying, well, we're going to leave, you know, yeah. and then UK gets a special deal or, or how does it work? Because, I mean, David Cameron was already before this whole referendum was negotiating a new deal with the with the EU. And I mean, I, maybe you do. Maybe you do have to go country by country and, and, and make concessions and things like this. And I've, I've seen it. <laughs> Because I delve in the, I like to delve into the conspiracy uh, theory world. I wonder where that was going. Yeah. I don't want to know where you delve. <laughs> what you do in your own time flashes down to you. <laughs> no, and I and I will say this though too. I want to preempt it with the conspiracy. Obviously, there's real conspiracies in the world, you know that we, but we can all see them and stuff like these. I'm talking about the crazy people, just because for pure enjoyment. <laughs> I I I love these people. They're they're. <laughs> They're out there, you know. It's like it's like a fascination with Scientology, you know. Like it's just crazy, but they, you know, the Germany and France are creating a super state, and they're gonna take all the country's militaries and form a mega military. And there's people on the internet comparing this to, well, you know, who else tried to make Europe all one mega state? The Nazis, and it's happening again, you know, and all this shit, and it's just like, oh my god, like yes, the e, let's focus on some real shit because yes, the EU needs to, and maybe there is some heavy handedness coming from the bigger, from the bigger countries, you know, Germany. I know the Greeks aren't happy, 
because they've had austerity imposed on them, you know, and we don't have to dig into the weeds on the economics and stuff because also I just, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, it all, I was going to say that's handy because my economic uh, research yeah. isn't that great. But, you know, so, I mean, I think there's legitimate grievances uh, yeah. that, that people have. And yeah, I would hope that the EU takes this as a, rather than, you know, a, a clenching of, of the remaining countries and you know so France and Germany and whoever is sort of running the show at the end just saying okay well we're going to squeeze tighter so that nobody leaves and impose more rules yeah. uh, you would hope that they would but I don't know it's just it seems like it's so hard to predict exactly what's going to happen the reasonable thing doesn't doesn't seem to be coming true and in another sort of tangent it just of of what I've noticed with this whole thing and also just coming from Canada and now living in, in Europe is that this shit actually seems like a lot more serious. Canada is such a benign political <laughs> atmosphere, you know, like it really is. Like I don't like here it's on the surface, you know, and things are on the surface and people are very political and you see it on the streets, you know, you see people, you know, whether it's like graffiti or posters or, you know, demonstrations that you see on the news and stuff like it just seems to matter more. And I guess the, the U.S. is kind of that way, too, you know, because there's actually big things at stake. Whereas in Canada, it is kind of like, you know, nothing changes. But it's yeah, it's a funny. So on the on the Friday afternoon after after the vote, obviously, I, so I work in a European role. So I'm speaking to mainland Europeans. We would I would call them to sort of. The next day, and I uh, spoke to a colleague in, in Belgium, and, you know, obviously the first question was, you know, oh, my word, you know, how, how, is, how are things in, in Britain? I, you know, I said, is it, is it very sombre? Uh, and I said, what's the mood there? And, and really heartfelt, it really, really hit me. She said, I'm heartbroken. Mm-hmm. She said, because I've, I've grown up in this, well, yes, I'm Belgian, but I also live in this wider community of the EU of being European and we all stand together. She said, and I feel as if I've lost a member of my family today. And she, you know, she, she was genuinely upset. And it's like, that's kind of how, it, in a way it did sum up. It, you know, I, I feel a little bit embarrassed when I speak to my EU colleagues now that we sort of, I feel as if we turned their back on them a little bit and things have got tough. And rather than hunkering down and fixing it together, we've just gone as a country, yeah, mm-hmm. bye. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to play with our own toys. Yeah. Sort of act. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is just on the surface. And I felt, I saw some people on, again, online and stuff just being like, well, you know. Oh, you we should be careful what you're watching online. Yeah. <laughs> you're making me sound so much. <laughs> hey, you're the one that goes delving and watching stuff online. Yeah. Well, how do, how do you think I have so much to talk about, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, this. Yeah, just people saying like, well, it's their business. You shouldn't, you know, that's the, it's another country's affairs. You shouldn't be commenting on it and stuff. But I don't know. I, I feel like I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really affect me, I guess, at the moment. I mean, I am living in Europe now. I'm not totally integrated into like, I don't have a job here and everything yet. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's good because you've, you've not all these immigrants that have come in and stolen their jobs. Yeah, that's anyone, right. So. Yeah, yeah. You unemployed bum. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just like, it is like, it's that sentimental feeling, I think. And that's what I think really upset me about it was just this idea again, that yes, like fear won the day, you know, like this, if things are broke, the idea is to blame somebody else and 
you know, run away and hide, you know, sort of protect yourself in your own little bubble and yeah, shift the blame everywhere else rather than being like, well, let's have a real discussion about this. Let's be proactive. Let's make change, you know, which is it's just it, it doesn't seem to be that mood in a lot of political arenas now. And I will say, like I was going to say with Canada, you know, yes, we're really benign and things don't really change in Canada. But our last election was very much on that same thing. We had the status quo, which was, you know, a very a government that was saying things like it's a bad world out there and it's a scary world and you need us to protect you. And it's all these other things are, are, are bad and scary and we have to do it and we're the strong ones that can protect you. And then you had the other side that won, which was, no, we're all in this together. Hope, change, you know, that whole thing. So it's like I came from that to here and it's just like <laughs> not only does it seem more dire here, but it, yeah. it just seems more pessimistic. And like people are almost giving up, you know, throwing in the towel. And that's that's upsetting to me. This is why I feel I can... I should comment. Well, I, I guess for me, the now the next worry is this is the unraveling of in, in the UK. Obviously, you know, there's no secret now. Scotland will use this as the fuel to have a second referendum on whether they declare independence. Which, you know, anyone that was on the fence before will probably, yeah, I would have thought, vote to remain in Europe and, and leave the union. Um, so slowly, I just see the, the UK dissolving. Um, you know, Northern Ireland. You know, I, I know I sent you the the tweet, and then on Twitter, I think we retweeted it from our feed. The the guy in Northern Ireland sort of laid out the points of you well, nobody's talking about Northern Ireland. You know, could the same happen there as mm-hmm. potentially could happen in Scotland? And not, there's some more complexities there with more recent history. But you know, is this is this the end of the United Kingdom? Does the United Kingdom at this point slowly just dissolve into? Wales and England. Wow. Uh, and then is Wales going to want to stay if everyone else leaves? Well, yeah. Just in terms of like, well, we don't want to be the only ones that still hang out with this guy. <laughs> you know, everyone else has left the party because it's not cool. And you're the one guy that's like, oh, no, he's yeah. all right. He's all right. I'll stick around. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think from that point of view, it's, it's, is this the beginning of the end? I hope it's not. But then there's the knock-on effect, you know, now the mufferings are, well, Italy want to have a referendum. You know, the Netherlands and, and the France. Netherlands and, and, and suddenly, you know, <laughs> if we lit the blue touch paper that disintegrates the whole of the, the European Union, that's that's a fairly big legacy for David Cameron because, you know, it came in on his watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, behind. and, you know, it's it was his political manoeuvring that, that brought this whole thing about because he needed to get his party in line and stay in power. But, you know, um, yeah, if it would be a shame, I think, if the European project ended this way or how do they call it? The European experiment, as it's still called, I think, if it ended this way. But, yeah, it's like we were kind of saying, I guess there's two ways that it can go. It's you can either disintegrate or, you know. And again, I keep like, it's like, with Trump, with Brexit, with the everything, I keep being like, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I didn't think we were going to let to leave. Exactly. <laughs> I keep getting proved wrong. So it's just like, I don't I don't know how long I can keep saying, well, I mean, I'm going to keep saying it, obviously. I don't think the EU is going to break up, but, you know. I, yeah, I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it, and I hope the UK finds some way to 
remain. But uh, yeah, we shall we shall see. I guess scary, scary times ahead. I think for all of us, and I think to me, it's highlighted that the world is a smaller place. You know, there is going to be repercussions of us leaving the EU for the rest of the world. You know, not just Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the US and Canada. Uh, it's going to have an impact on them. It's going to have an impact on. Uh, the Middle East, you know, anyone, basically anyone we trade with, it's going to have an effect with. And I, the immigration piece is interesting because now the big thing that's coming out is, well, it's okay because we'll stay part of the single, the common market, you know, and that's fine. Therefore, the banks can all stay in London because the worry is that if we leave the EU, the banks won't have, I think they call it a financial passport mm-hmm. into all the European states. Um, but if we remain part of the common market, they, they keep that. But a condition of the common market is you have to have open borders. So all these people that voted leave and I go, oh, hold on. Well, we didn't realize that. To be honest, I didn't realize that until the day after <laughs> all of these clear facts came out of nowhere. So, yeah, there was there was one one of the politicians stood up this week and said, um, I think he's one of the ones challenging for the opposition leadership. Um, and he basically said what he thinks we should do is before we trigger Article 50, we need to start negotiating with the countries for what our exit will look like. And then we need to put that to the public because he said what that deal looks like is going to be so, so different to what we promised you when we originally said we're going to going to leave. And that's the opportunity to say, do you know what? Looking at the facts of this deal, this deal does not work for us. Yeah, wow. And that and that's the way back in. But Should have done know, that in the first place, however. Should have done that in the first place. And, you know, other European countries saying, well, we're not going to negotiate with you until you trigger Article 50, in which case... It's too you're late. Already on the, yeah, yeah, you're already on the downward slope. So, yeah, be an interesting one. I see now the knock-on effect for us is we don't have. A, well, we do have a prime minister, but we're going to have a new prime minister in September, October. Whoever that's going to going to be, I think the backstabbing's already started on that one. Yeah, and then the leader of the opposition is he's. I think he's lost the no confidence vote, but he's still holding on to the leadership. Is this uh, Jeremy Corbyn? Yeah. Uh, so actually, I read a really good article on the way back uh, from the US. Basically, you know, in parliamentary in, uh, prime minister question time last week, even David Cameron said, "Just stand down, man. <laughs> Just resign." You know, your own party voted no confidence in you. But in this article, it, it basically said that um, he's clinging on to power because this week, um, the what is called the Chilcot report comes out. So basically, it's the independent inquiry into the Iraq War. Mm. Which is expected to be very heavily critical of Tony Blair, um, and Jeremy Corbyn is has always been anti the anti Iraq War person. Has always said that anyone found accountable in that report should go to the International War Crimes Tribunal. Right, right, right. Um, so they're saying that basically he's holding on so that he can nail Tony Blair to the wall, and once he's done that, then he'll resign Every, everybody's just they you know they just got their thing that they just you know yeah, and, but it's in it for themselves even even if it, like you know Corbin seems like it, you know he's doing it for the right reasons you know you could say it's this moral high ground that he has where he just needs to say you know what I was right and this was wrong and you know make a point and then leave it's also kind of self-serving and it's just like what what are we yeah, this is why, you know, I'm disgusted with the whole system all over the world, you know. So I, yeah, we could go, we could go on and on into 
our contempt for politicians and well, well we could yeah and then we'd uh, we'd have no listeners and you and I probably would just get bored of it as well so well I don't know maybe this is exactly what gets you the listeners so we just got to tap into the right we just got to do the right research to find out what people want to hear us bitch about and then That's bitch true. about it yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then and we're then just we... part of the mainstream media yeah exactly then we can brainwash them to vote however we want to vote yeah. and uh, you and I take over the world which is the ultimate plan from this yeah. podcast so, so why are we complaining about the system when we're really ultimately we're trying to be part of the system to, for our own benefit we're no better than anyone else because it's a reverse psychology that we're pretending that we don't like the system so that we can actually take over the system yeah well, or we're just saying it like it is because that's what people want to hear. They're tired of experts and they want people like Trump and, you know, Farage and the rest to just say it like the real man does. I thought you were going to say like Flash and Brad. Yeah. Well, that's it's coming. That's it's coming. Well, we know the shit's corrupt. We just want a piece of the pie, man. How are you going to how are you going to knock me for that? You know, I just got to yeah, get where, mine. Where's my hush money? Yeah, exactly. Just don't pay me in pounds because it's not worth anything. So, you know, if there are any politicians out there that want to buy my silence, I'm easily bought. Uh, but it <laughs> needs to be in a non-sterling based currency. Yes, I have a price and you'll find yeah. that it's quite reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, we can we can move on from, from the doom and gloom because I, well, I definitely, you were... Well, you said move on from the doom and gloom. I think... Uh, as a world thing, I did see the news this week, and we're going to switch to science here. The ozone layer is repairing itself. Oh, thank God. So they're saying that the, the hole over Antarctica is uh, something like 3 million square miles uh, less uh, thicker, sorry, than it was 15 years ago. Ah. So they said that, you know, skin cancer rates should start declining. For penguins. Uh, yeah, for penguins. Yeah, the penguins are safe. We're all screwed. But, uh, yeah, we're still breathing toxic air and the rest of yeah. it. No wonder they've got happy feet. Yeah, <laughs> little penguin bastards. They're not frying in that ozone hole anymore. <laughs> oh, that's 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 interesting though. So is this like I? This will show my ignorance of of climate stuff, but um, it repairs itself. Um, so the. The theory is that basically with all the actions that we took of banning chlorofluorocarbons and yeah. um, emissions and like that, then effectively, yeah, it's started to so it the atmosphere started to regenerate itself. Yeah, which I, I my understanding was we could just stop the decline. I didn't think we could it would, regenerate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and see, and isn't this like... Okay, now I'm going to get pessimistic again a bit, but... In, in, in pessimistic and optimistic in the same way. This should be a, like a, a, a boon for, you know, because it, it was the same thing. It was the exact same scenario as climate change is right now 20 years ago, you know, or 20 years ago, 30 years ago, almost 40 years ago in the 70s and the 80s. You know, the CFCs and stuff, and we have to do this. And then you, you know, because the ozone's going to disappear and all this stuff. And then you had the other side being like, the ozone's not going to disappear. This is all just alarmist bullshit. You know, it's, it's the exact same thing that, that we have. I actually, I was reading a book by um, Carl Sagan, uh, Broke His Brain, it's called. And he, he wrote it in uh, 1978 or something like this. And he was laying out this um, CFC debate and argument and just saying like well if you logically look at it there's one of two ways you know that this could go either we do nothing and we're wrong and it ends horribly 
or we do something and we're wrong and well you know nothing changes yeah which is exactly the same climate debate that we're having right now with global warming yeah and so it's like it's like things haven't changed you know it's just, it's just a different topic so maybe we could use this hey look we were right about the cfcs and it turns out that you know we did the right thing and some good came of it and so yeah this is but uh, is that going to work i don't know well yeah maybe I, I, I did like the way you said well i'm going to be more, a bit more pessimistic it's like we should just put a warning out when listeners get this that you know don't don't drink. Don't have any sharp razor blades, because you, know, you might end up in a hot burst slashing your wrists. What a way to go! I know. We we need almost like the yeah the we might need like a splitter, you know, like a like a little song or a jingle that comes up that's just like you know Brad's going on a rant and he's <laughs> an old man cranky or something. I don't know because I do feel like this is what happens a lot. Listener just, discretion yeah. is advised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that's that. I don't know. That's good news, and that's interesting. I don't what I don't know. Like how to, how will that affect the the glacier melting on Antarctica? I mean, it must well, it must it, help. But temperatures yeah, are but, still rising. So yeah, I think temperatures are rising. The uh, I think the article still said. That, so I didn't realize there are pockets of holes over the ozone. I, I just thought it was a general thinning. Um, but by the way, the hole over Chile is still present. So that you're actually seeing in parts of south america you're still seeing skin cancer on the increase mm. but the penguins are getting safe so la da yeah. yeah what is the well you say that you say that now maybe we will need to move to the tundra wasteland that is antarctica to be safe oh i thought you so, were going to say the tundra wasteland that's canada well because <laughs> we have all, a lot of that too it's almost like you can read my mind i was going to say that but, um, <laughs> so you guys are part of the commonwealth so i feel a little bit like i was at home but yeah not quite at home yeah, maybe. Well, we drive on the proper side of the road, so it's 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 right. Well, that, that's that's up for debate, but uh... well, that's a that's a good optimistic science story, and to kind of tell you know finish off the <laughs> to rant. interrupt that you're going to tell us one of death and destitution. No, no, no. Right? I, I actually I have a positive one too, a really interesting one. But um, yeah, I just think it's a good example of you know look at. We we did the right thing, and yeah, you know, yeah, things yeah. can get better. You know, um, no the the one that I have is about physics, and this I'm always a little scared to bring up physics topics because I know nothing <laughs> of the subject. You know, it's like physics is great. Like it sounds like when you read like the first chapter of a brief history of time, you're like, oh my god, I'm I'm a genius. Why did I ever think this was so hard? And then you get to like chapter two and three and it's like, okay, yeah, fuck this. Like, this is why <laughs> nobody understands this shit. Um, but it's this, this story that's coming out. It's with the, the, the collider uh, in, what is it, Switzerland? Switzerland. Uh, yeah, yeah, the large yeah. Haldron Collider. Um, so those guys over there busting up their particles. And well, they've just juiced the thing back up to full power, or like it's the strongest it's ever been. It was going I felt, to. I felt the lights dim. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad that we're all not talking about how the thing is going to cause a black hole and suck us all into oblivion anymore. No, we did. We did that with the Levo in the UK. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, yeah, no. So uh, those guys are smashing their atoms at a, at a at the highest rate that they've ever had. So <laughs> that sounds kind of rude. <laughs> These guys are over there smashing their atoms. 
they're smashing their bits and getting their quirks, and it's all it's leading to some fascinating stuff, Brad. If you just delve into it on the internet, you'll see. Yeah, I don't want to look through your internet search history. My my Swiss Swiss atom smashing searches. <laughs> I've seen that video actually. It's, it's good. Um, well, in their atom smashing. Uh, well, I guess for, for those that, that don't know, I'm assuming most people that would listen to this have an idea of, you know, that they're smashing atoms in the in the particle collider and, and in doing so, finding new particles. Or basically, they're finding particles that are meant to exist in theory. So in Einstein's theory of relativity and everything we understand about matter... They've been able to confirm by breaking apart atoms and then saying, okay, yeah, there's a quark. This is what we predicted would make up an atom. And they found the Higgs boson. That was the big thing, right? Was We knew that this theory dictated or theory said that this thing should exist, but we've never measured it. And so they were able to measure it with the, with the particle collider. But now what they've found is something totally new. So they think that they may have found a brand new particle that nobody has any idea what it is. It's not predicted by any theory. And so it totally opens the door into a whole new understanding of what the hell is actually going on. Because for the longest time, they've been basing, you know, everything has been based on, well, first it was Newton. You know, you had Newton's physics and we did the math, we did the experiments and it's like, oh yeah, it checks out, everything works. Except when you get down to really small levels, and that's when Einstein came along and said, oh yeah, well the reason atoms don't follow this kind of physics, or planets don't follow this kind of physics, is because there's a whole other set of physics, and they had that. And so everything up to this point has basically been confirming these two big theories. But now you have this evidence, and it's, you know, obviously like all science, it has, it's got to be vetted, and they're going through it. But yeah. the physicists... Are really excited, and you can imagine what what that's like. A bunch of uh, what's the guy from the Simpsons? Oh, we found a new particle. Yeah, this is what I picture all these big meetings from physicists to be. Um, but yeah, so they, they they've announced that we may have found this this brand new particle. So to me, like this is like you know, on the surface, again, I'm like, okay, physics, I don't really understand, but the idea that the physicists don't know what it is. Well, it's, it's the same way as a geography student saying, we found a new country. Yeah. That's effectively what it is, isn't it? Yeah. On a planet that we thought we had it all, you know, yeah, mapped, mapped out. out. And then, and so this, like, it just, you know, in my spaced out thinkings about this, I was all, I was reading another article about um, finding life on one of the, I think it's Saturn's moons, Enceladus. Um, the moon of Saturn and they were talking about going there and you know potentially finding life and the things with finding life in the universe is that it may or may not resemble life on earth right so so you might be looking at life but you don't even know it because right. you know it's not carbon based or it's not this and so then I was thinking well then now we have a whole new particle so there could be a whole nother layer of physics that you know then just expands what life could be because life is constrained by the physics as we know it. You know, it's atoms and electrons moving around in our bodies. But if there's a whole other layer that we don't even know, you know, there could be a whole other spectrum of life that we're not seeing. It's almost like seeing, uh, you know, the infrared spectrum for the first time. So what if, in fact, there's another layer of particles that interacts with 
the particles that we have in our universe or that we know of in our universe in some way, but we're just not seeing it because we don't have the technology to detect it. So it's almost as if like, you know, like this is getting, we almost need a a warning here, a disclaimer for like, whoa, the trippy bro. (laughs) But, you know, like what if there's like a layer of life existing simultaneously all around us that we don't see? It's like another dimension, you know? It's like... There's life forms that we can't see yet, but they exist. They half use the particles that we use, but they're also using these other particles. And so you just can't picture them or grasp them, or but they're there. I don't know if that makes any sense, but this was, I was like in bed late, late, you know, it's, whoa, dude. And I had, I had, I had beers. Yes. I had not (laughs) been smoking anything at the time. But, you know, maybe my past was catching up with me. <laughs> See, when you first started going down the route of new particles, my instant thought was, have we discovered a way to create the warp engine yet? That was what I was thinking. But Well, yeah. I went a different way. You did, you did go a different <laughs> way. But, you know, that's that's what several beers and a night in Germany do to you. So <laughs> we need those sort of thoughts. Yeah. Not all of your thoughts. Keep some of your thoughts to yourself, Flash. <laughs> um, but no, we do need some of those thoughts. Yeah, that's an interesting... It's an interesting thought, especially the part of, like, could we, could we coexist? You know, we're looking all into the into the, the far reaches of our universe for new forms of life, but effectively, could there be other forms of life existing on this planet that we're unaware of? Yeah, exactly. Because of that. And I mean... I, I, I to to just take it one trippy step further. Um, oh, be, hold on tight, viewers. Yeah, Here we go. <laughs> because I mean, I I grew up uh, in a religious household, and I'm not religious at all. And but I've always had like people the discussions about it with different members of people that I've grown up with and stuff about religion and you know the stuff that you can't explain and the mystical. And I am. I'm interested in it, you know, like, what is these feelings that people feel or what is, you know, spirituality and the rest of it, you know, but what, like, I've always kind of said, like, it's, to me, I don't believe in God, like, I don't think that there's a, you know, a, a, a lifeguard you know dude with a beard up there being like oh you were bad you were good or i'm going to intervene here and you know that's that's preposterous obviously but i mean this idea that (laughs) this is of david hasselhoff being gone yeah yeah, yeah. back in the room yeah back in the room but uh but you know like just this this idea that we can find something that we didn't know existed and we don't know how it plays into how we see reality you know so how we interpret the world or or how it's you know interacting with us you know maybe like i've always often said that maybe that's what spirituality and mysticism and all the rest of it is is it's just some higher form of physics that we don't understand you know so it's like some other interaction of some you know other layer of dimension or whatever it is that is you know it interacts with our world and it seems like divine intervention or it seems like a ghost or you know whatever the fuck you want to call it but it's just like one day we'll be able to figure it out and be like oh yeah yeah ghosts are just you know these other particles from another dimension that we just we didn't know were there and they kind of sometimes interact with our particles and make a little apparition you know i know it sounds really it sounds super dumb like I even feel kind of silly for saying it, but 
the fact that we just found a particle that we didn't know existed before and theory has not predicted before uh, you know it just shows you how little we know and you know maybe what else is out there what else is out there and maybe there is explanations for things that we couldn't explain I mean there always is explanations for things like this is I guess the point but it also just you know that's the beauty of of science you know like this is the what a fucking wild wild world you know it is a wild world in which we live in (laughs) Uh, you know we we, you know we discovered lots of organisms in this lifetime and Trump being one of them yeah yeah. (laughs) like anything else found on this earth before (laughs) it's true oh it is true well that was speaking well I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm finding a tentative leak here for a segue but uh an organism which I know is dear to your heart, especially from the Where's My Glasses fame, is Ebola. Oh, yeah. And there was uh, some research project uh, this week that's showing that one of the anti-cancer drugs um, can stop the transmission or the, the potential infection with the virus. Ah. Um, but as well as that, uh, also the common ibuprofen molecule has been shown to... It basically binds to the surface of the virus and stops it being able to infect new cells. Huh. So it's like you could use it almost like um uh like a like a prophylactic. Yeah. I don't know if I said that right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. But yeah, you so you yeah. so you're pop well, I've only had one. <laughs> <laughs> you're popping you could just pop the ibuprofen and yeah, sort of be protected for it while you're we're protected yeah. from it while you're oh that's interesting. Yeah, so obviously the scientists come out and say, Whoa, it's not you know, it's definitely not a hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah. anything's better than, you know, what we have yeah. now. Yeah, which is bugger all, basically. Yeah. So, But yeah, interesting that, you know, they are finding as well. And for me, it's interesting because it's, it's dropped out of the limelight, isn't it? You know, I know back, you know, what was it, a year, 18 months ago, it was all over the news. Yeah. And then suddenly it just disappears from the news. And you, you kind of hope there's still work going on in the background. So reassuring I think to to hear some of this stuff coming out now yeah 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 that's always been a a a thing and yeah you you mentioned where's my glasses the podcast I did with my good buddies back in Canada um and we yeah we hammered on the Ebola updates for for a long time for just that reason is that yeah it's like you know like these things come and they go and they leave the news cycle but they're they're still important and they're still going on um but uh the Ebola one, I think that's interesting too, because you mentioned it's a cancer drug. There's a cancer drug that might, you know, they just found some promise with it, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the I can't remember which the name of the. I was just having a look now in my notes to see if I'd. He's got notes down, but, and everything. What a professional. Well, not obviously not that professional because I can't find it in my notes. But <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, here it is. So, uh, painkiller I from the cancer drug uh, Torimafen, hmm. uh, which I think. I was going to go off piece and say I think it's used in uh, breast cancer, but I'm not 100%, so I'm mm. not going to go off piece. I'm just going to say it's one of the cancer drugs. Well, no one's uh, going to hold you to it, but I think... Well, which is good. You know, <laughs> if they're relying on me for the cure for Ebola... <laughs> or breast I'm, I'm cancer. Fe- or breast cancer. I'm feeling the pressure and I'm feeling a lot of people could be screwed. I'm sure you'd be, you'd be, you'd be keen to offer the exams, though, right? Uh, not so much for the Ebola, to be honest. <laughs> Feel my area of specialty would uh, gravitate towards the the breast cancer. That's what breast. I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, but thanks it's, for making me sound like a pervert. Flash. Hey, you've been doing it to me this whole time, so I got to try and get uh, my shots in wherever I can. 
And if the shoes fit. Then smash them Adams. <laughs> um, no, I was just, you know, again, going to avoid a rant, but just say, you know, it's a good use of, you know, translational science, you know. You find something in one area and not knowing that it's going to have a benefit in another area, which is just a, I've, on, like you mentioned, where's my glasses? I've ranted on it before about how, you know, science funding gets allocated. And sometimes it's like we need a direct aim and we need a, we want to know exactly what you're going for and you need to have, you know, deliverable outcomes in order to get funded. But it's like, well, you know, we need this sort of bubbling yeah, stew bubbling of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, you, you have a drug over here that you thought was going to be good for something. Turns out it's good for Ebola too. So, well, you know, and if I think there's some great examples of that, you know, penicillin. Exactly. You know, found by accident. But if you, if you did that through the modern trial process now, probably wouldn't have been discovered because you know it's toxic to some of the the rodent species and, and rabbits and things so potentially you know a pharmaceutical company could have killed that off in the early stages thinking it had no use yeah, yeah, yeah. Aspir- aspirin obviously you know almost held as the wonder drug by some people now you know in terms of preventing strokes or heart attacks and things like that obviously viagra was found by found by accident as well really yeah so the so the viagra was actually being researched for um, heart disease <laughs> to manage uh, blood flow and blood pressure. Yeah, blood flow um, makes sense. Well, yeah, and then it was seen as a side effect in some of their trials that uh, some raging hard-ons. Were, yeah, that's what some people were reporting, <laughs> and then some bright spark in the pharmaceutical went, "Hold on, a yeah." And then he uh, went and formed his own company, and yeah. <laughs> well, so they, they they changed the use, and then interestingly, one of the the second indications that came for Viagra after the erectile dysfunction was later down the line actually the uh, the cardiac effect yeah. of it, the, the buffalo effect. But that's you know seen as the lesser claim. <laughs> no, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, sex sells, you know, it always has. Yeah, well, ah, I didn't I didn't realize that it was it was one of those as well. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's a there's a number of examples. I think insulin too was there's something with insulin. I can't remember the whole story, but yeah, it was something from being de- you know developed for another thing ended up in the production of insulin. And yeah, so it's yeah, it's just uh, I I always feel the need to to point these things out when when they when they arise, you know. No, I think you're right, and I think having that bubbling undercurrent, as you say, you know, yes, you need. You need focus in science, mm-hmm. obviously. Otherwise, you're just going to have people like yourselves drinking and smoking and going off smashing atoms with no real aim. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a very disturbing face you're pulling at me there. <laughs> but having that, that bubbling away of almost ripping, jamming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. science jam of yeah. just seeing, you know, where does this go, you know, and see what comes from it. It might be nothing. Okay, fine. You know, at some point you've got a cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there was a really good, um, uh, I think it was Scientific American this week on their website. Um, I'm not sure if it was the guest blog or not, but there was a there was an article written um, by, I think she's a postdoc. Um, I'll try and tweet all these out too, all these things that I mentioned that, oh, I read this somewhere, you know. I'll yeah, try not and, that smash. Watch it. Not all of those videos, Flash. Don't tweet some of those out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it. They should say in your private collection. Yeah, yeah. I got a good filter on that. Um, 
Uh, no, but um, she was talking about just the idea of failure in science and how it needs to be embraced more, you know, and, and, it's, and it's that same idea is that, yeah, you need to try things like the whole like failure is bound to happen in science. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because then you know what not to do or, yeah. you know, and maybe if it failed in this application, it's like we we're just saying, maybe it's a good in another application. So, you know, who knows? Um, so, yeah, it was a, I thought that was a really interesting piece. And I. I think it's a it's a really important thing that I think scientists you know fail to embrace as well. It, it's especially grad students. Like I know the pressure on grad students um, and postdoctorate positions and stuff too is like I need to publish. I need results. I need this. I need that. And I mean the system has kind of been built that way in that you need results to get funded and you need you know and the rest of it. But it's really not how science is best served. I think and so it's almost like you need to have yeah, like you said, like, yeah, you need some focus and the rest of it. But, yeah, we need the jam. You know, we need the science jam. And, you know, maybe we need to put a little science or we need to put a little pot of money, you know, for it, for harebrained ideas. It, much like the Ministry of Silly Walks, we can have the Ministry of, you know, absurd ideas. So, you know, a guy like me can go and be like, yo, what if that new particle is ghosts, man? <laughs> Oh dear, I, I, I would vote that we push you along the scientific journalism route and not put you in charge of scientific funding. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw that idea out there and touching on your earlier ideas, we could, we could just make this a simple yes or no vote online. Do we make Flash in charge of scientific funding for the world or not? I'm I'm in the no camp. I'm going to come out and say that now. Yeah, where's your Maybe facts? You've got no facts. It's all scary. No, you're just lying. You're just lying. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you want, people? Him or somebody else? Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody else. else. Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I never claimed to be responsible or even to be all that bright, to be honest. <laughs> you heard it here first, uh, people. Yeah, I've been saying it for, saying it for ages. <laughs> you've just not had an outlet. Yeah. And now you've got this multi-award winning, <laughs> I'm predicting, I'm predicting into the future, this multi-award winning podcast, yeah. which is reaching to the far ends of 11 listeners so far yeah. but we're growing we are growing yeah well let's let's thank take a minute to thank those 11 listeners we appreciate you guys tuning in and sticking with it i guess yeah hopefully you've stuck with it this this far in i would say uh keep listening we do have our own twitter feed now we should probably give a shout out mm-hmm. for that as well as our individual feeds uh we've got uh at two brad for you uh, or Spartan official uh, or soon to be verified yeah well I hope so I'm, I'm basically once I get that blue tick in life I'm literally going to drop the mic and walk off stage yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've achieved all I want but if you can't find that then you can you can find us individually so I'm uh, at Bradley W Hayes always looking for new followers yeah I'm at B Van Paradigm um, I'm pretty good on followers I don't know if I need too many new ones so if you're cool check me out if not, well, I've, I've, I've had a flood of these these fake accounts that are basically we can promise you a thousand followers if you follow us. It's like yeah, yeah. well, and I I don't get the idea too. Like I mean, yeah, it is cool. Like I get like it's cool when you see you got new followers and you know you kind of interact with people and stuff like that. Like I love Twitter; it's all great. But yeah, the idea of like this like 
like paying for followers or like like systems you know these like you say these accounts that it contacts you like we have a way that you can get a thousand followers and i mean i guess there must be some financial incentive like if you have something that you really want to push you know yeah then the more followers yeah the better but it's like yeah this idea of although i did see a headline i i'll fully admit i did not read the article but, Obviously, yeah, but it uh, it was saying something like they did like an imaging study or something on brains, and it was like the getting new followers and you know people looking at their Instagram or Twitter or whatever and getting new followers. It's like a it's like the same rush or that cocaine addicts get or something. And I was just like, mm, I don't know if it is. <laughs> I don't think it is. You know, but. Uh, but it is like I mean I think there is some quality to it like because obviously people you know it's like yeah look how many followers I have you know and I yeah I feel it when I get the new followers my god that's cool people it's you know it's propping up my massive ego that I have that needs constant fueling right well hopefully our you know our 11 listeners are doing that for you right now Flash you know I I can just about see the ego in front of me on the screen yeah 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 my head has grown to to fill the whole screen. I don't, I don't know about your head, but your hair is certainly grown. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like I said, I don't know where to get a haircut in Germany, and I see all the. I see. <laughs> you haven't done that lesson in German yet, so you can't ask for a haircut. No, is no, that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although my last German lesson is tomorrow, so maybe we'll go over that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so you've got a lot to cover in that last <laughs> lesson. Basically, at the moment, you can order a beer, a coffee. And some basic sandwiches, but you've got like a whole lifetime of German to do yeah. in one day. Well, and the funny thing is, is like with with German, I'm finding I got you know like the, you know, Teresa, my girlfriend here, is she's much more accomplished in German than I am. She's been here longer, and so she's higher up on all the levels and stuff. And so I get like I get cocky. Oh, you're getting a bit competitive now. Aren't well, you? I get a bit cocky, she's you know, because I'm just like, oh, it's not so hard, you know, taking this. And so I try and speak it a bit with the people here and everything like this. And and it's yeah, it's very basic. My level is very basic, you know, present tense. I can do this. I can do that. I would like this. I would like that. How are you? I'm from here. You know, like very very basic. And her and like everyone else is like they're like, yep, German tricks you. You think it's easy, you think it's easy, and you do like two levels, and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. And then you get to like level three or four or something, and then they just drop this insane grammar on you that makes no sense, and it changes everything. And I'm starting to get a little little pieces of that where it's just okay. like, why would you, why, why would you do that? There is no need for this like whole nother set of you know, articles or ways to say the that change with depending on the sentence and depending on how you're calling the thing. It's like you got to use a different word for the. And it's, oh, man. So it's, yeah, it's going to get crazy. But so far, yes, I can order my beers. and But the haircut, okay. no. Okay. And and so far, you you know, you've not upset anyone enough that they've stabbed you to death because you've called them a pig whore or something. No, mistake. no, no, no. And you just, you get you get a bit of the... You know, like, ooh, I can. T- your German is hurting my ears. <laughs> you know, they're not as they're not as overt with that like the French people are. The French are really, you know, ooh, your French is. Ugh, we don't like that. 
I, that was actually more of a German accent, but um, it was. But so, you know, your, your French accent was hurting my ears there. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why I've changed my mind. I'm, I'm voting out of Europe just so I don't have to listen to people like Flash <laughs> doing fake French and German accents. Uh, it offends me. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, it offends a lot of people, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, no, the Germans are good about uh, you know. The, the, I, obviously, everyone here speaks English, so. And like really good English, it's embarrassing, you know. Like the, it's just everyone's bilingual and makes you feel like a bit of a an idiot. But um. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what a great, what a great point. I was, I was thinking, you know, what, what have we learned this lesson? Yeah. What we, first lesson? Flash is a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Well, if you don't know that by now, then it's, I'm only going to confirm it over and over and over again. Uh, with you know, you put a microphone in front of me, and apparently, you know, it's just I got no, no qualms about my idiocy coming out. But uh, I just did. I didn't want to throw the German people under the bus and say that they're language snobs because they're really not. They're very nice about. Um, you know the language and stuff like it's been it's, really good it's too late. You've, you've upset a nation no flash so <laughs> if any of those 11 listeners are from germany uh, yeah we've probably we've probably lost them so uh, <laughs> we're probably down to about two listeners now and considering that you and i always listen back to the podcast we're probably not broadcasting to anyone right yeah, could be. well yeah. you know what the germans wouldn't get it anyway their sense of humor is shit <laughs> Wow, we are going out on a limb here, people. That's what other nations can we offend and just make sure that <laughs> I got I got them all locked and loaded, man. So so I've noticed. So do you, do you want me to summarise what I think we've yeah, done? Yeah, let's do tonight? it. Let's do it. So uh, so apart from the fact that you've alienated most of our listeners and <laughs> most uh, of Europe. Yeah, I've Brexited out of Europe. You you have. If, if you want a job on the Leave campaign, in fact, there's a, <laughs> there's a prime minister vacancy open over here. Come oh, get yeah. it. It's all yours. I could fear monger with the best of them. Uh, well, so uh, we. I would say we've learned that David Hasselhoff isn't God. No, definitely as not. Much as, as much as we want it, it's not going to happen. Uh, that Flash loves the crazy people. That's what we learned at the top of the hour. I do. I do. Um, but I, I personally, I think the 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 biggest thing that we've uh, learnt in this this podcast is that ultimately penguins are going to be the survivors. <laughs> yeah. The rest of us have all fried to a melanoma crisp. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be penguins that have the last laugh, and that's why they've got the happy feet. Yeah, and this is this is the last you know the last book of the Bible that we haven't found yet that says, "And penguins shall inherit the earth." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, all right well yeah that's a recap and we'll uh we'll next time we meet we'll be i will be firmly on the uk's soil um assuming that they don't close the borders in the next three weeks well i would say don't don't attempt doing your german or your french accent when you get to the uh, border patrol because no. they probably won't let you in but canada you know you're still part of the commonwealth we're keeping it real yeah so i can do my canadian accent that'll be yeah yeah you have to lay it on fairly thick though because they might think you're american and mm, they don't always get through the uh, the immigration checks all right well i can do that no problem there eh? uh, oh i like it yeah. i like it I th- for a moment i thought you were canadian <laughs> <laughs> well i don't try to hide it as, as we start to fade out, I just wanted to say uh, thanks again to Freak Motif because I found myself in the last podcast actually just rewinding and listening to the music yeah, over and yeah, over again. Yeah. Just because it drowned out our voices and I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you again. Yeah, guys, the Freak for, Motif. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Freak Motif. And actually, I believe so today is 
the 4th of July, they are currently playing dates across Canada. So you oh. should go to at Freak Motif uh, on Twitter or freakmotif.com. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check on that. But again, we'll tweet it out again. Um, but if you get a chance to see them, they're great band. Great band. Well, I think we should also lobby to get them on a world tour. Yeah. Bring them over. Well, bring them over. At least at least the Europe. Yeah. Continental Europe. And the UK. Yeah. What? <laughs> you have to say that now. <laughs> I do. Hashtag and the UK. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, good show. I enjoyed it. Uh, Hopefully the, the uh, few listeners we have less after you've alienated them enjoyed it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be jamming together next time. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I can't see any issue uh, on my end again unless the, unless the borders close or the the flight stop happening. I will see you in the UK in a couple weeks. Keep it real. See you next time. All right, man. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye.